Hey, good people, this is Jaren Idom back with another reflection. And this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow, and have impact in the world. So, hey, we are here to close out the season. And we're going to close out season five for 2022. And so, clearly, I'm late because I was supposed to do it yesterday, but um, I ended up having three episodes remaining for this season. And, um, I couldn't get them done in one day with some other things I was trying to accomplish. So it's okay. Um, We're just going to do this last season, this last episode um, on January 1st, 2023. This is the time I would be quiet or going dark when I say I usually um, fall off for a month. So after this reflection, I will be quiet for the rest of January and I will return in February. But... I'm here to do my last episode for season five. And what I'd like to do here is do two things, I think. These are my intentions. No paper, no notes. But these are my intentions. I'd like to just um, sum up kind of some of my learnings for season five. Um, Naturally, that's going to be some wrapping up for the year. Just because it just happens that way but I'd like to wrap up for season five some of my learnings and then um, talk to you about what I'd like to do for next year not for this not for the project just for me uh, in terms of my personal growth so um, yes so we'll see (laughs) because there are a lot of little things that I still haven't processed and then there's a feeling of completion So I have a feeling, I feel a sense of completion as relating to using this project to understand. And so I really feel like I've unpacked all there is to unpack. Anything moving forward is going to be on repeat. So that's a feeling. But this project is about me um, making meaning in my life. And what the experiences that I have. And so there always will be things to process. But what I think, um, in terms of my growth, there was just, I don't know. I feel like there have been some big rocks that I needed to contend with. And I've done that. I feel like I have. And I feel like I'm well positioned to pursue the third quarter, the third act of my life, the third quarter, not the fourth quarter, but the third one. (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see what happens in this reflection. But hey, you guys, if you're new to this project, this is a personal journal, journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years. Half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, I lean into tenets around critical race feminism, which means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs of power, such as race, class, gender, sexuality, 
to name a few. This project is unedited and it is unscripted. To know more about it or me, feel free to go to my website at yournidom.wordpress.com. All right? So I want to um, start with a re- you know a recap of the season and um, in all honesty, I didn't prep for this because it would have been, had I had the time, I would have gone and there were 25 episodes and just to see where the patterns were. I pretty much can tell you where the patterns have been, but um, I would, uh, analytically um, and objectively, I just want to make sure that the numbers match up to what I'm thinking, but I don't have time to do that. Most of these reflections for season um for season five, they've been in this pocket around um, leadership as a year. The year, the whole year was about leadership. And when I went back to the end of 2021, I was actually talking about executive level leadership then and had no idea that the following year I would have had to confront it. Which is really interesting to me. When I was, it was like a November, October, or November of 2021. I went back to listen to an episode, and um, I was bringing up the issue of executive leadership. Um, and in February, I was pulled from one leadership position and made uh, turn into like the next level, like a senior level position, if you will. And then I. Um, in August, went to the next level of leadership, occupationally, if you will. And I think that's um, an interesting point of distinction to talk about my occupational connection to leadership when my personal connection to leadership extends beyond my profession and my occupation. And I think that's what has been such a struggle for me. I've done leadership outside of work, outside of employment, rather, that two things. It's just a way of being for me, a way of thinking and engaging in the world. And so I don't think about it. And then I don't identify with um, institutional leadership. I don't identify with that. I don't identify, I don't see myself as an institutional leader. I see myself as a leader that has gone into an institution, but I don't see myself as an institutional leader because as an institutional leader, I'm leading for a pre-established agenda. And I'm I'm an agenda setter. I make the agenda. I don't manage people for a pre-existing agenda. I mean, and that is is about as raw and honest as I can be, even if it doesn't make me sound humble. It is true. I do not follow other people's agendas. I set my own agenda because of that introverted intuition that I, you know, in the NITE, I said I was going to stop separating those two. But my NITE is really about implementing, seeing something that other people can't see and implementing it, seeing solutions, really. Um, 
And so I think that is just a struggle. It's a struggle for me occupationally, and it's also a struggle in my personal life. And I think um, in this last episode that I did on racial reconciliation, and I did not do in that episode what I wanted to do, but I'm proud of it all the same because I had to get out. I had to get out everything in me as relating to race and how I experienced the world as a racialized woman. It's not a, it's not a cohesive episode. It's not cohesive. It's not, um, like, uh, there's no, for me, there's no real centralized takeaway. When I talk about putting a bow on it, which is a frame I got from someone else, another NI Dom, um, but when you put a bow on it, it's you have a central, you have a point that's essential, central, um, and final. And I didn't hit, I didn't hit that, Seth, if you will, Seth, C-E-F, central, essential, and final yesterday. I didn't hit it in that reflection. But... I think as I go back and listen to it, it will live in my brain. I'll be able to make better sense of it. And I will come back at some point and make a self-reflection around race. For me, um, as I experience race. And it's, that's an interesting thing because I explore race in my world, in my writings, and in my research, and in my practice. So race is something that I've explored but I really have never, until yesterday, really sat down and had an honest conversation, a, com- a complete conversation about my experiences with race. And so it was complete, even though it wasn't aligned. And even what, though it wasn't, e- I didn't get to the essential element. And even though it wasn't cohesive, I put on the table everything that I have experienced about race. And that's important. And now I can come back and clean that up. But linking those two points together from leadership to the race uh, episode, what I think happened in the job, because that's the part where the uh, reflection for me fell apart when I started talking about um, engaging, you know, um, engaging in an environment that's doing, and for work, that's doing social justice work and in that space, having um, women of color not support me um, in my leadership to um, was just it was un, it was just um, I don't even know a word disoriented for me. Like it's just something. It's not that I've, I've, I've supervised and led. I've led not supervised. I've led uh, people of color before, and that's the difference. I think that I fully believe that that's the problem. I've not supervised a people of color. I've led them. Because when you are leading, you lead and you build buy-in and there's no need for real supervision. We're walking, we're walking together. But supervision denotes that there's a, an aspect of what you're doing that needs to be monitored. And so I, and I said this, I said this in um, August when I, I said, the nature of this position is positioning me in a way that separates me from my staff of color. And that didn't feel good, and there was no place for me to bridge the gap with them. Um, 
I mean, I've, I've been working hard and I continue to work and I think we're getting better. But um, I think with the presence and the concerns of one person who's vocal and who holds a lot of social capital, it has made that journey very different, uh, difficult. I don't want to uh, stay there because, I, like I said, that that is just still something I'm working through. But all of the other parts of that reflection yesterday really was good for me. Um, just to talk about my experiences with being racialized and engaging with other people who are racialized was really good. It fell apart when I started talking about um, an, an experience I'm having with a one African-American woman on my job that I am, quote, unquote, her supervisor. And that is uh, problematic. It is problematic on a number of levels, but, and I, I feel better diagnosing what's going on, but not um, reporting that out. All right. So anyway, but I think the the biggest conflict there is where race, race, racialization and leadership come together. I think that is probably how I would say is the essential problem in that particular situation. But anyway, so leadership uh, was a big thing for season five and race because I started tapping on it, I would say around October, September, October. Um, I started ha- having more episodes where race was coming up, more so than any other season. And so, um, yeah, that's, I would say that. And I think the other piece that happened in season five for me is just a settling, a coming to terms with my self-preservation. The, the, the self-preservation part of me. Because as a social eight, I'm an Enneagram eight, and my dominant instinctual style is social, um, And self-preservation second. Um, I haven't, I, last season, this past season, season five of this season, I came to terms with self-preservation as a, as an instinct, a form of survival. And that's an interesting thing, actually, as I'm saying that out loud. I want to meditate on that some more because I think some of that stack is for me. I don't know if this is for other people, but for me, that instinctual stack of being social, first self-preservation, second, comes from my upbringing. I don't know if trauma, intergenerational trauma has a place in that. I'm not sure, but um, I, I suspect racism um, and how my community, family and community, how we have survived in racism as a collective. And so it creates a form of social survival. We're going to survive this thing together. And I think the, the issue of class surfaces, uh, being, um, from a lower socioeconomic background, uh, not low income per se, but lower than um, people who are in my 
uh, professional bracket, if you will. Um, um, we've, we did survival by way of a, a community. It's very, very communal based. And, uh, there is, um, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm really struggling here. I think that there is something antithetical about individualism and collectivism. Duh. Those are two different poles on a spectrum, right? Going from individualism to collectivism. And um, there's a lot of individualism in me as an introvert, as an, as an introvert, as an INTJ. And I think my second, I think that, okay, this is, this is what, this is it. Cause I'm really struggling here, but I think I'm onto something. I think as an INTJ, I am prone to be more individualistic. I mean, in, right. As an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background, possibly because I'm from intergenerational trauma, I'm prone to be more collectivist. And those two worlds coming together created a stack for me. Social first, self-preservation second. And I don't think I've ever really given attention and acceptance to that self-preservation side. And I think I, I think I attended to that last season. And then I wondered, like, are you going to be self-preservation first? No, no, I don't. I don't. I feel pretty good about still um, for survival, for for survival purposes, looking out, having the lens of social. And that's what it means for me as a social aide. It doesn't mean I'm going to be uh, F.E. extroverted feeling people oriented. But I'm looking at the collective as it relates to systems and structures for group survival. And it really is that. So I think those two together really um, speak to this tension that I've experienced. Social social and self-preservation. I don't know how you guys are going to bear through this because I'm very much struggling with my words because I've, I've walked into something I've not really processed before. And so you... I'm struggling because I'm processing. But that came to me. I mean, I think I worked that out or at least got comfortable, if you will, in season five, the self-preservation part of me. And you knew that by way of me talking about this large bundle of toilet paper. It was a it was kind of fun to situate that met that that need for self-preservation and and put it in the metaphor of being able to buy large bundles of toilet paper, you know. And so that's that came out of season five as well. Um, so I think those are the three things: uh, leadership, uh, contending with race as a as a racialized woman, not race as a person from the racially leader, the dominant group, but contending with race. As a as a racialized woman, interacting with other people, other racialized folks, contending with race, and I think there's a element there that has to be addressed. That we're not that in the work that I do, in the ways I'm I'm moving about occupationally in the last year and a half, 
I'm interacting with other people who are doing race work. So race work and being racialized are two separate planes and they intersect for me and other people who are racialized doing race work. And I don't think we've had a space to work that through. Or if we have more of us, if there is a, if there are spaces for for us to work that through, many of us have not taken advantage of being in those spaces. And as I say that, and I'm going to start transitioning and talking about moving forward for me in 2023. Um, although I've been um, teasing this in the last four or five episodes, just because the last four or five episodes were recorded in December with the end of the year. That's just what you do. That's what I do, rather. But I, there is something that I want to address. Um, I think it's too, I wonder if it's too big to say that I can address it in one year. It's, I talked two episodes ago about setting New Year's resolutions that are checklistable or not. And when they're checklistable, that means they're measurable. You can observe it and say it has been completed. Check. And sometimes they're more holistic that you can make progress in that thing. But it's not something that you can check on off because it is an ongoing goal. And I've experienced setting resolutions in both of those. Measurable goals and immeasurable goals. So there's something that is, I don't believe is measurable that I'm, I'm contending with, which is, a, which is one of the reasons why I didn't make it back on the app yesterday to do that recording, the last, this last recording, because I was hoping to, I've been reading and meditating and I've been trying to get into the pocket of this thing here. Um, and I'm going to attempt to describe it even though, um, I'm not, I didn't hit the record button having that worked out. So I'm going to try to work it out here in this episode and then see what happens as I go quiet for January to see where my thoughts take me. And it's in this issue around extroverted feeling, collectivism, T-E-N-I, eightness. I know I'm mixing these systems together. It's somewhere in that. Let me try to explain. Because I have other things I want to do for 2023 that are measurable. And I'd like, I'd like to close there, but I don't know what's going to happen with the remainder of this reflection. But I want to just, even if I lose my way in this reflection, I want to let you know I do have measurable goals for this. Or I... Uh, you know, and as I'm pausing because I'm like, I don't think I have written, have they're not written down. And, um, they're not, oh my gosh, I'm, they're not, I have a piece of, I have a stack of paper because I've been working with the stack for a week 
and to try to write out my New Year's resolution. And in order to do that, I've been working through some some concepts, some desires, some confusion. And I have some aims for next year. Like I want next year to be the start of the formal start of my take three. And with it being the formal start of my take three, I want to have very clear uh, objectives to accomplish. But I don't have those objectives. I don't have them. Or, let me say it differently. Maybe I do have goals for next year, but they're not smart. They're not measurable. They're more holistic. So, for example, I want to do more, bring more masculine energy back into my life. Not necessarily be more masculine as an individual, but bring more masculine energy. I laughed around, joked about this yesterday, calling it bringing more testosterone. My sister's taking testosterone shots for some kind of fitness goals. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring more testosterone in my life as well. But I'm not going to take shots. I'm going to bring them in by, bring that energy in by way of people. So anyway, there's that. Is that measurable? It would be measurable if I say if I'm going to bring three energies into my life that have more testosterone. I'm not going to do that. Maybe I should, but I don't have that. I don't have that resolved as of this recording. So we'll have to circle back to this in February once I have January to be quiet and to go inward. So having more masculine energy is one thing. I definitely want to do more totem five, what I'm calling totem five. I'd love to talk about that. But if you look at the Enneagram five, the social five, social fives uh, are drawn to people at the high, at the top of their game. So whether it's their occupation, their gifts, their intelligence, they just like people who are at the top. And I like all people, where no matter where they are, and particularly with my work with empowerment, I like to uh, encourage people as they move to the top of their game. But I think somewhere along the way, somewhere in my beginning adult career self, I was befriending the people I was empowering. And I did not know the difference. I didn't know how to take care of myself in that. That when you are you are empowering people and you're doing that work, you're coaching, you're counseling, you're teaching, you're leading, you're expanding, all of that's wonderful. But there's no room for reciprocity. Now, if you find somebody who's on a journey and they allow you to speak life into them for their advancement and they have something that they can speak life back to you, into you, that's perfect. But I wasn't, I wasn't connecting with those individuals. I think there's trauma related. There's some trauma bonding. I don't think, I know I've talked about this before. I did a lot of trauma bonding. So I stopped trauma bonding, uh... You know, within the last 10 years, and uh, which is great, 
but I haven't found new forms of bonding. So I don't, I don't want to say, I'm going to roll my window down, I'm in the car. This is where I've been recording, you guys, since I've been on travels. There's no way I'm going to be able to record in my sister's house with all those people in there. <laughs> so I've been coming to the car. I don't, think I've, I don't think I've said it, but you can probably hear the dinging in the car as it's gone off. But anyway, I just rolled the window down. I'm not saying bonding through this totem five way is the way, the final way, because I don't want to do that. I want to be a person that can connect to all. But I think I need an opportunity. I need to be stretched. I really do. And I need to figure out what it's like to bond with people who are healthy and uh, who are aspirational and... um, Who are not just goal setters. People set goals all the time. But people who are achievers. They don't just set goals. They achieve them. I need to know what it's like to bond with those folks. I really do. Um, And as I've been, um, you know, you see this more in the Enneagram. You see it a little bit in the Myers-Briggs community, but more in the Enneagram community where where, some, where they've taken these numbers. There are nine numbers in the Enneagram, um, and each number has a range of healthiness. So most people are average, average health. Uh, then you have a portion of that of people with that number who are have low health. They're immature. They're dark. Uh and then you have a portion of people with that number who are uh, healthy and they are well and they're above average in their health. And I love that frame. of, But I love that frame for me in terms of checking myself on where am I at as far as being healthy and identifying that you're functioning, you're average, you're, you're, you're not healthy right now. This is... Um, you're functioning in an unhealthy way right now. Like that framework has helped me to monitor myself. And I like to believe, I believe I function mostly in the above healthy range. Come on now. <laughs> like, you know, and I don't mean to sound pious or arrogant or whatever, because I invest in my wellness. I invest in my emotional and my mental wellness. I do I do therapy, I do a lot of reading, I come into this podcast, and I process my wellness out loud. Um, it's just something that I've invested in. It's something I'm committed to. Most people don't make that kind of commitment. They're not making that kind of investment. And I'm, it's not just an investment of time, it's an investment of money. So what I'm saying is, my next level for me is I want to bond with other, other people making that investment. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we don't drop into the lower self. <laughs> you know. I've been listening, watching this TikTok. I've been uh, on TikTok too. That's another reason why I didn't achieve that. Because there's something, there's something about, there's a trend going on in TikTok. And you guys, I, I'm, I see myself moving in several topics. But they're... Uh, I'm going to be able to come back. I believe I'm going to be able to circle back. 
because I don't, it sounds like I'm in several rabbit holes, but I don't think they are. I think this is a point. It's all related to a nuance of, of a point I want to make, but we'll see. Um, so I've been on TikTok and, um, it's just TikTok is something that I did more of when I was when the at the height of the pandemic when we were in shutdown, right? And uh, it's just something that I haven't been able to do a lot this year, mainly because I'm now doing supervision and doing these crazy TikTok trends. You know, you don't want people to like lose respect for you, <laughs> but it's something you know people who know that I like doing it and they know it's. It's some. It's a way to break the seriousness up for me. Like I'm a serious person. It's allow. It allows me to not be serious. And so people have asked me, "You're not doing TikTok anymore?" I'm like, yeah, I get on TikTok, but I don't do the. Rec- I don't make videos the way I the the fun videos. Now I can come on TikTok and start talking about empowerment and doing that. I can. But what TikTok was for me was a place for play, and I haven't been able to do play. I don't feel comfortable doing play in the work that I've been doing. So anyway, since I've been on vacation, I've been really challenging that. Like, you can still play. Because you're, what does that mean? What does that mean? To supervise people. First of all, I don't even like that concept. But that is the job I have. You know what? I probably need to process that. I wonder what would happen if I asked my boss to take me out of a supervisory role so I can strictly do leadership. Because I think when you're doing supervision and it's leadership, it's a conflict to leadership. That is an interesting concept that I've just stumbled in on. Thank you, TikTok. Because in talking about that TikTok account, it helped me to, to figure out I would not have a problem doing those crazy-ass TikTok videos in a leadership role. But it's the supervisory role that is that feels complicated for me. But anyway, so I just have been really challenging that. But um, so, so I haven't done any videos. I did one yesterday. I'll tell you guys that in a second. But, um, but there's a trend on TikTok. It's called the Black Girl Follow Train. Black girl follow train, black girl, black girl follow party, where black women are following each other on TikTok because we don't get a lot of follow followers, um, as other demographics on that app. And so, somebody started this train where we're just going to follow each other, no matter what, what, no matter what your niche is, whether you're into cooking, whether you're into these. Uh, I like to do voiceovers. Um, <laughs> I like, that's what I like to do, uh, voiceovers. Um, and then sometimes I like to do dancing. So whether, no matter the niche, the voiceovers, dancing, cooking, education, m- music, it doesn't matter. We're going to follow you back. Um, so when I got to my sister's house, I'm on travel. When I got to my sister's house, I was only at, um, 360 followers, um, on that account, which was, which I was pretty darn proud of, because that's just uh, it's not. I mean, that's just I'm playing in that space, right? Like, who wants to 
who wants to follow me while I'm doing these voice, these voiceovers, <laughs> right? So I did just was fi- I was fine with my 360. But apparently you can't go live on TikTok until you reach a thousand. Well, what am I going to go live and do, right? And I have struggled with TikTok because I'm like, do I want to make that an app for, for work? Like, do I want to make it an app for work under my dominant work? And I consider this work that I'm doing with you all, podcast number two, I consider this work, although uh, I haven't formally named it. But I have told you, you guys, that I want to write a memoir. Um, and I think that that memoir is going to be connected to this project because this project is where I've been able to really come and find my truth. How could I not connect that memoir to you all? Because you have been an audience. You've been, um, you've given me a space to be my most authentic self. And that's what that memoir is going to be about. So I, that, I, I don't, I've already talked about my writing agenda. There's, I, I can't even begin to think about writing that memoir. But so, but I did think about, well, I could use TikTok to talk about personal personality theory and personal development. But I was like, no, I like TikTok for play. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to continue to do my dances my corny dances and my corny voiceovers. So anyway, 360 was good by me. And then this black girl follow train happened. I was like, oh, I like that. So I moved, I went from 360 to 549 in less than a week. Which is pretty darn good. You know, I've been on TikTok for about four years. Uh, yeah, I'll say four years, three and a half. And four years, 360, that's pretty darn good. I mean, that's just what it was. So then I went from 360 to 549 in less than a week. That's a major jump because of this train. But I didn't do a video because the train is about people putting this video out saying, follow me, if you follow me, I'll follow you. <laughs> So I did. A, I finally did a video um, yesterday. I released a video two days ago. I'm sorry. Two days ago. It will be, yep, two days ago, about 48 hours ago, almost exactly. And I went from 549 to 1,035. I almost doubled. So now I have enough to go live. I have no idea what I would go live to do anyway. But <laughs> I bring that up because I've been in this follow train and with black women. And at first I was like, because, you know, I talked about liking diversity. At first I was like, man, if I do that, that's going to change the algorithm. And all I'm going to now have on my page would be black women. But I cannot tell you how much life that has given me. And I didn't even know I needed it. Not just because I'm looking at women who look like me. Just the and the, the range of looks, of the range of beauty, the skin tone, hair textures, hairstyles, stylistically. But the different niches within black women. And what did I say yesterday? We are not a monolith. The only thing that 
gives us sameness is how we are politically treated by the world. But we have a we are diverse with we're diverse within our own black womanhood. And it's been amazing. I don't I'm feeling choked up in saying this, but it has been amazing to see that diversity among black women. And I just talked about diversity. It's just been amazing. So yeah, I'm up to a thousand. But anyway, being in this space uh, and seeing this diversity among black women and even, oh, I know how where I went, was going. I've even unfortunately have, as part of this, now, now TikTok is just giving me nothing but black women to look at, okay? And I'm enjoying the diversity. Well, one thing that is popping up is some conflict, which is which sucks, right? But this is the point in terms of a range of healthiness. And this is what I thought about when I ended the reco- my recording yesterday with you all around um, racial reconciliation. We have a diff- We have a range of healthiness, mental and emotional healthiness. What the black girl train does and what the equity work means for me is that we're not all pathologized. We are, we're, not all, we're not a pathology in and of, our, of itself. As a black woman, you're this, this, or that. That's what I'm disrupting. But it doesn't mean taking us from a place of pathology and then situating us into a space of de- deity. So going from us being all bad to being strictly good, that's not realistic because we're human and we have a range within us, a range of healthiness. So I watched this woman on TikTok, this black woman, a biracial black woman. She got dragged. You know, it was brutal to watch it. And she got dragged by other black women because she said something that was wrong. She said something that was wrong. She came back and apologized because she didn't know something. I don't want to give the. I don't want to explain it. But something that she said, she didn't know it to be wrong. And there were two reactions. Well, three reactions. There were people who affirmed her and said she was right, but there were many people that said you were you're wrong here. But here, in with compassion and love, let me explain to you how you're wrong. And they brought, they did, quote unquote, they brought her in. And then there was a faction of people who said she was wrong and they were brutal. And I was like, oh shit, to watch that. It was like, whoa. And I had a similar experience, very small, um, on Twitter about five years ago. And uh, I, I made a statement, and before I could get, before I could explain that statement or defend it, someone jumped on that and made a lot of meaning out of it, and associated the statement that I made with some other excuse my language with, with some other shittiness. So my statement was put in this shitty container, and but. Um, I didn't, 
I didn't, um, how did I handle that? I remember, like, getting into arguments. Like, I remember arguing back. And then I just, like, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember how I got out of that. I think I realized there was no winning in that situation. So I could argue back if I wanted to, but it wasn't going to help. But I didn't grovel. I did try to contact the young lady that um, where the misunderstanding, misunderstanding happened. She didn't want to hear it. Because oh, we actually had phone. We had each other's phone number. I tried to call her, to, and I left a message. I said, hey, I want to explain to you what was going on. She didn't want to hear it. She wanted to do that publicly. She wanted to drag me publicly. Um, and I just, I think, and I'm, I'm going to bring all of that back, okay? All of that back to this idea around FE8. Uh, this collectivism, because I think there's, there are people who are more comfortable in the group. More people comfortable in the group. More people comfortable on the stage. Right? As an introverted intuitive, as an INDJ, I am not, my comfort is not in the group. Even though I have a, a commitment to the safety of the group, which is interesting. I have a, a commitment to the safety of the group, but my comfort is not in the group. My group, my comfort is with by myself or in a small space. And I think that there are people who are comfortable in the group, on the stage, as extroverts, that don't understand what it's like to not feel comfortable there. So what happens when you do something that is shitty or when you make a mistake? If the, the only way for me to attend that, attend to that, is through the group, well, I'm not going to be able to do that well because that's not my comfort. So more than likely, I'm going to make it worse. Which is why I had compassion for this lady. Because she said something I didn't agree with. The lady I'm talking about on TikTok. I didn't agree with her. I thought she was wrong. But I had compassion for her. Because she was, she was trying to do that out loud. On a stage. And whoa. 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 To make yourself publicly vulnerable. You hear the birds, you guys? So anyway. But that's something I'm thinking about for 2023 as I bring it back here. This is something that I, w I don't even know how to set a goal around. Um, but it is something I want to have a goal. I'd like there to be a goal here. I just don't know what the goal is. Learn to be more comfortable on the stage. Learn to be more comfortable in the group. Okay, I could. I'm not 100% sure that's necessary because it's not in support of my authentic self as an introvert. Wow, that's something to consider. Should the goal be for 20 to 2023 to be more comfortable in the group, more comfortable on the stage? I'm going to put that, I'm not, I'm not locking that in. But I don't want to run from that. Because a part of me wants to denounce that. Like, no, that doesn't make sense for me. But, but I'm, I want to let it linger here. Why not? 
it's scary. I don't know if it would benefit me to do that, but I don't want to automatically say no to that. And I think it's connected to this idea around the range of health, of healthiness, of wellness, emotional and mental wellness. If I was in a group of totem people, totem pole people, people at the hot, at the top of their their emotional wealth game, then yeah, I'd be more willing to say, let's do this. Let's do this out loud. Let's let me confront this out loud. But I don't know if I let me say I let me say it differently. I don't believe that I have to put myself at the mercy of people who have not made an investment for their emotional mental well-being just for the sake of racial solidarity or gender solidarity. Or any kind of solidarity around sexuality or around occupation or around education or around singlehood or around coupledom, around parenting. You know what I mean? Like, so we have these ways that we are, excuse me, if we have these ways we are alike with other people, there is an affinity, like a likeness that we have. And does that likeness denote vulnerability, like to be vulnerable with you? We're alike here. Does that mean that we should be vulnerable with each other? Because that was the struggle that I had at the job with this, this idea of an affinity group. Affinity means that we are, there are two things. We are alike here. But does that automatically mean that a likeness mean that we are safe. What are the safety measures? And I think about the young lady who challenged me. It's not about being safe. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You got, to, you get to control the rules, but then you don't have power. She's hot. She's a hot mess. She's a hot mess. Because that's, if I quote unquote wasn't the supervisor, I'd have a totally different conversation with her. And that is okay to say. It's hard to say as as a person that values respecting people and, and I take my position as a leader seriously. And I feel like as a leader, I should take, I should take sacrifices and I should make sacrifices for the growth of other people. And for that reason, I can't, I would never be able to go there with this young lady. But if in a different way, in a different setting, I would. I would do it enthusiastically. Not because I feel like I'm all right. I absolutely believe there's something for me to learn here. But this is not a one-sided situation. And this young lady presents herself as, she just presents, she's very good at pointing the finger outward. She points that finger outward and does not, Point it inward, out loud, on a stage, if you will. Imagine that. Anyway, I'll come on. I'm gonna. I want to have peace in that situation. That's gonna happen. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen. But, um, but that's the point. Like being being in a group 
being out public with people, what kind of people do I want to do that with? And for me, I want, I don't mind doing that work with other people who are doing that work. And I don't think it's safe to assume that just because we have a likeness in one category that we have safety with each other, that we have affinity with each other. I don't, I don't believe likeness automates safety. I don't think so. And it is possible, coming from intergenerational trauma, I have a lower tolerance for harm. I have a lower threshold for harm. For toxic behavior. That was the word I was looking for. When we're an average, we're in the higher selves, we're, we're average, or we're in a toxic space with ourselves in living out living out our personality through a toxic realm. And so what I'd like to do more of in 2023, I was going to say 2013. <laughs> that is funny. I know. Where was I at 10 years ago? Getting ready to finalize the dissertation for my PhD. And that's unbelievable to say that was 10 years ago because that feels like yesterday. And I have to say, what the hell have I been doing with my time? Okay, we're not going there. We've been in survival mode. But that's okay. We're going to come out of that for 2023. But, um, yeah, I want to be around other people who are aspiring into being their higher selves. And not just aspiring as a wish. I'm going to say it. I'm going to wish on it. I'm going to set some measurable goals and I'm going to hold myself accountable to that growth. I don't even know if there's a part of me that would like to say I'm going to meet three people in their higher selves for 2023. How would you measure that? Forget how you would attain it. How would you identify a person in their higher self? That goes beyond performing their higher self. Because the only way you'll know that is after spending time. It's seeing how they handle adversity, right? How they deal with confusion. How they deal with complex concepts, contradictory values. You have to observe it. I don't know how I would do it. But that sure as hell feels good. Man, if I could say 2023 is going to be the totem year, totem year, like the high, you know, I'd probably there's probably something offensive about that word that I'm going to regret later. But the high, at the height, like at the high end of a pole with their wellness, with their achievement, And I said aspirational, right? With their spiritual, with their spirituality. And that does not mean being grounded in laws and rules. That's not what that means for me. But I really, really would like to be in a place this time next year where I've said I have built, I did some bonding 
totem bonding versus trauma bonding. Ha, that's hot, isn't it? Totem bonding versus trauma bonding. I'd like to do that. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you had to have it as a stack, that wellness has to be first. Because I can't see myself bonding with somebody who is at the top of their achievement game game, and they're not emotionally well. So the emotional wellness is really first for me. And I think as spiritually, spirituality would be next. And then achievement would be third. I don't know what that's going to look like for me, but that feels really important. You guys, I want to close by doing something. I want to circle back to spiral dynamics. I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, we talked, and it's a theory, it's a framework that talks about the psychological development of groups, whether it's organizations or communities. But it looks at, it's like social psychology. It looks at, like, we think of Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram as being a psychological a tool for your individual psychological wellness, if you will. Well, uh, the spiral dynamics like takes is really great at looking at the collective and where the collective is at in terms of wellness psychological development and I know I mentioned it yesterday but I don't know how I factored it into this record the recording oh I think I talked about yes I did I talked about levels and you don't jump oh you don't jump from a level one to a level four unless you go through some kind of perfect storm that really tough that will require you to do some deep internal work and it pushes you forward um and I do believe that's true, but I think I want to bring up spiral dynamics as I begin to close this episode and the season is that every level engages with the outer world in a particular way. Whether that is the outer world is unsafe, the outer world is competitive, the outer world is of abundance. The outer world is full of opportunity. However you see the outer world, you engage, you, you engage it accordingly, and that then produces a psyche within you. Okay? And I want to, as I, I want to share this, uh, because I think this is where I've been. This is the part that I think is probably at the heart of where I'm currently in my growth. This is something I have to figure out or contend with or confront. When I hired my heart coach in 2016, one of the things I said to her, it had to be for about a year or two, is the water. Now, you know, I use metaphors, right? I talked about the blob and the swim, and there's a part of me that wants to connect this water metaphor with the, these other metaphors that I use because I think they're all connected. 
but I can't do that right now. I don't have the time to do that. So if you could just take those other metaphors that you've heard me say, park them, and let's deal with this in isolation, although they do connect, but let's just treat it as its own metaphor, its own meaning. At the time, when I hired my heart coach, I was struggling. This is what I was saying. The world around me is toxic. And it's in the water. It's just what it is. It's, I, and it wasn't the world around me. It was the world was toxic. That's how I went to her. The world is toxic. And what I was doing at that time in my life is I was, re, I was retreating from it. Oh, this is so good. This is a really good place to close. I was disintegrating. And if you go to the Enneagram, there are these pathways. Eights disintegrate into the five. When they're not well or they have to drop down, um, there's something that they need in that disintegration for growth. So for eights, they go to the five. And then when they're doing well, in their, in their higher selves, they go to the two. I was retreating, retracting from my outer world like a five. But it, it was causing unhealthiness in me because I'm not a five. <laughs> I'm an eight. <laughs> But as an eight, prior to that, I was confronting that negativity in my outer world, challenging, fighting. There was a small part uh, when I started entering into friendship spaces that I thought I was safe. I didn't have to fight. Those spaces didn't feel good. So I would drop down and be vulnerable in those spaces, and then I would come back out. And oftentimes, I contended with those friendship spaces, not by fighting, but by being a three. This is very fascinating. Now, an achiever, because it gave me a buffer, and I really do think, this is solidifies that I think I was a, an eight five three. It's a tri type, although I do feel like I have some eight five four in me as well. But I'm not sure if that eight five four comes from a healthy place or it comes from a unhealthy place. And maybe they, maybe none of it is healthy. I don't know. We'll I'll, I'll process this when I listen to this podcast back. But anyway, I was retreating from the world because I was like, I don't feel like fighting the world anymore. That's not me. I don't want to, and I also don't want to not fight and then be harmed in that world because I'm not fighting. So I retreated. And then I, but I'm at the same time, I'm in the process of trying to be whole, which was a really interesting place to be at in my journey because I was also working on being whole at the time. So um, my therapist challenged me at that time and said okay, we can say it's the water. She's so affirming. But she said there are different bodies of water. And you know, as a former social studies teacher, geography is not really the subject I'm good at. 
like this is why I should let my geography license go because I'm terrible with geography. <laughs> but I do know that there are different bodies of water. They're not the same. Salt water, fresh water, right? So when she's, every time I bring a metaphor to this woman, she uses that metaphor. Like she's, she's an N.I. Dom, right? God sent her to me. Because she can go with those metaphors and create her own metaphors. And we just metaphor it on up when we're meeting together. And she's like, okay, you, you're right. It is in the water. I can see what you mean is in the water. But there are other bodies of water. We just have to get you in different water. And that's kind of what we've been... That's kind of what we started working on. And then that goal fell to the back seat, if you will, as I hit that hardship. And I've been focusing on two things with her coming out of hardship and uh, healing from intergenerational trauma. And so now I feel like I'm in a place where I can go back to addressing that body of water. But here's the challenge for me. Because I don't have the luxury of controlling the water as now that I'm, I'm not working for myself. If I was working for myself, I control everything. I don't control that. So I'm in an occupation, I'm in a job where the my employer isn't, that's not on the agenda. Wellness, I'm trying to put it on, on the agenda, but I'm not the boss. So what do you do when you're interacting with other people who are committed to wellness? And they, and, and are, what do you do with that? And so this is where I have been like struggling in the last couple of days because I can see I don't function in the, as an eight in those spaces. When, I conf, when I'm dealing with somebody, oh my God, this is so good. When I'm dealing with somebody, when they're not healthy, and now healthy for me is well. So healthy for me is no longer average. For me, in terms of intimacy, who I really want to spend my time with, who I, who I want to open up with, no. I don't want to, it's not just that I'm not dealing with toxic people. I don't want to deal with average people. This is the whole, in terms of emotional wellness. I want to engage with people who are at the top of their game in terms of being emotional and well, in terms of intimate spaces, okay? But prior to this, what I would, I did one of two things. I did one of three things, actually. I either did unhealthy eight, and I went, or I went to an unhealthy two, or I went to an unhealthy five. And what does that mean, right? Well, I went to an unhealthy five because I was trying to retreat. Like, I'm not dealing with, I'm not going to deal with these people. But these people are all around me. So I'm just not going to deal with the world. I really went through this phase. In the last 10 years. Which is just, it's funny now when I hear myself say it. It doesn't even make any sense. How do you, how is, how do you as a social being totally disconnect? I was trying to really disconnect from the matrix completely. All right. 
once I realized I couldn't totally disconnect from the matrix or another thing I did prior to that is I would to it on I would to you for I'm a I'm gonna take care of you I'm gonna put myself in these positions where I have to take care of you you don't have to take care of me back it's my job to take care of you that's from trauma and I didn't do it widespread I did it as a teacher I did it as a leader but I stopped doing that with friends a long time ago but I still do it as an as an occupation and where I'm at now this is what I told my boss and I told the young lady at the job I said I'm not going to be in an unhealthy relationship with you even as your supervisor I'm just not going to do that This isn't just about me giving you my best and then you don't have to give your best to me. I'm not going to do non-reciprocal relationships. And I mean that. And maybe that needs to go down on my paper as a resolution. That's a conviction I have. I just had never said it out loud to myself. So, what does it mean to be a healthy eight in the world? That's unhealthy? I have no idea. But I think that that's where I really want to, what I want to figure out. Because there's a part of me that is feeling kind of challenged to go back into the world and do, and put on that unhealthiness. That's what I got to do. I got to, if that's what I have to do to be in the world, then let me put on that unhealthiness to contend with you. And that's kind of what Spiral Dynamics talks about. Sometimes you have to go back. And you guys, I don't want to do that. But on the, on the other hand, I'm like, how am I going to be interacting in the world where these unhealthy behaviors? Because I'm not going to chew it up and I'm not going to re- retreat. So does it mean that now I have to be willing to be unhealthy eight or at least average eight? Which sucks because of all the work that I've spent in trying to be healthy. And the only other way, the only solution I can think of that right now is to put myself in an environment where people are well and they're they're committed to wellness. What does that mean? I don't know. But maybe that's one of the groups, because I'm looking to join four groups this year. Maybe that's one of the groups I find myself in. Hell, I might need to put myself in two of those groups. I don't know. I have no... Here's another episode where I'm not ending with clear, a clear action. Because I have a clear desire, but I have no idea what the action is. But that's okay. I'm going to embrace that. And that's just something I'm going to work on uh, for 2023. Totem, fighting more totem people in my life. And what do I do in the absence of having a totem community? That doesn't mean going to unhealthy two and going to an unhealthy five. How do I eat myself in untotem spaces, if you will? I have no idea what the answer is, but that's what I'm going to meditate on as I go quiet for January. 
So I guess we haven't solved everything because I'm like, I've solved everything. Do I need to continue this episode? I've, excuse me. Do I need to continue this project? I have worked through some difficult things. I'm so proud of the work I've done with you all. I'm very proud of it. I've done some really difficult work here. And I love meaningful work that spills over into my life. This isn't just work I do when I'm on this podcast. These reflections live with me. I hope they're living with you, right? Hope they're helping. And I felt like somebody sent me a message that said, one of my episodes helped them figure out something, and I cannot find it. I was looking for it yesterday. So I don't know if they deleted it. I swear, unless I'm like, did I dream that? But anyway, I hope as you hear me working these things out, you find the pathway and the conviction to work it out for yourself, to do your own work. Working out ish this. <laughs> but I want to close here. So I found this article yesterday that talked about setting uh, goals. That the, the thing isn't about setting goals, it's about setting systems for New Year's. When you make these resolutions, you shouldn't set goals, you should set systems. And I really like that because that's what I do. The only challenge I have is that it takes time to build a system for a goal. Now, you can have simple systems like uh, I'm going to go and buy a uh, like for example, I'm going to go buy me a Fitbit watch. I've had several. They break on me. I was like, I'm never going to buy another one. But in the absence, I don't like any other uh, uh, watch that tracks your steps. So I actually like the Fitbit, even though I know I'm, I'm marketing a product. I hate when I do that. But anyway, forget forget that. Delete that you heard me say Fitbit. Because <laughs> I do not like marketing products on this project. But anyway, I'm going to go buy a, a watch that will track my steps. Uh, that's the system. Purchasing that, putting it on my arm so now I can monitor how many steps I have a day. I don't need to go under 12. That's not working out. That's just average. So as I'm trying to work out more, I work out on top of my 1,200 steps, right? That's a system. A goal is I want to be more active. A system is I'm going to get a watch that measures my steps. I know that 1,200 steps is what you need to do to burn regular to maintain your weight. And I got to go above that, right? So if, if I'm on a weight loss path, I want to be anywhere between, um, I think 15, 1500 and 1800 is realistic for me. Cause I was, I did this before and it's like 2000 steps. It's very difficult to do, uh, when you're, when you work remote, when you work from home. Now, when I was working in the school setting, so probably wasn't that difficult because you have to walk around. But anyway, but anyway, so that's an example of a system. That's a simple system. But like, let's think about what I'm talking about: building totem communities. What's the system for that? Well, I've got to find a. Cl- I've got to find where the people meet and join those groups. That still doesn't feel difficult <laughs> um, for me as a writer, right? I have a system for writing. By the way, I have a... Um, you guys know three episodes I talk. I'm, I am closing, you guys. These episodes have been longer, but I've been really working out some stuff. So I hope 
Hopefully you're okay with the link. But uh, a few episodes ago, I talked about, man, how do you how do you maintain a house and set go have a job, have a business? Be okay. I want to be bivocational, which means I have a job and a business. Then I have to take care of a house because I'm by myself. Right, so I got to take care of the house, got to take care of the dogs, got to take care of me, got to make my doctor's appointments, got to keep my keep my hair done, got to go shopping for clothes. You know what I mean? Got to keep the house clean, got to cook. <laughs> That's what to go to a restaurant and eat. Got to cook dinner for myself, right? How do you do all of those things? So, I I used to do a lot of mention this, but I used to do a business. It was like direct marketing, whatever, and they talked about having 168 hours a week. And they t- really walked us through how to manage those 168 hours. You take off uh, 56 for sleep. And then what's remaining, you take off 40 for your job. Then what's remaining, right? And so I've done that periodically. And so I did it recently. I'm like, it's just not enough time of the week. So what I'm going to be doing, at least for the first uh, quarter of 2023 to see how it works, is I'm dedicating for four weeks. Week one, we'll have a theme. So I'm dedicating, like my writing life will be week two. I won't do any writing on week one, week three, week four. And so I have different texts that I'm trying to write, right? And that includes podcast number one because I have to write for that script. So week two is all writing. And I will market my writings for that, right? Week... So week one is the, the, I'm calling that my SE week. That's everything that's dealing with the physical world. Doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, appointments for the dogs. Anything, any kind of major projects for, cleanup projects for the house. So this is not your day-to-day cleaning, your week-to-week chores. But beyond that, taking care, looking at my, paying my bills, tracking my money, looking into investments. Like everything about the physical world in week one. Everything about writing in week two. And then week three and week four are about my business. And then they're divided into a particular theme. I don't feel like opening that up. That's a system. Right. So I think I tweeted that article. Check that out. Oh, your your NI Down One on Twitter is an article about building systems. I've always done that. But this article kind of gave me the language for it. So I need to have a system for building my totem life, building my totem relationships, totem totem bonding, totem water. All right, I I'm gonna figure that out. I don't know what it is right now. But I'm ending this reflection. Not sure how, but I'm ending it. Being committed to meditating on it and figuring it out. Because I don't want to interact in the world as an unhealthy eight. Nor do I want to function as an unhealthy two or an unhealthy five. But I, I'm wondering if the trade-off is... I don't know. I don't. There's a part of me that says, how do you deal with the toxic world? As I watch that lady on TikTok being dragged... What do you do in a world that's doing that until you can remove yourself from toxic people? I don't know. I don't know, but is it 
is there is it okay for me to be an average eight as I'm dealing in an un, unhealthy world? I don't know. I'm going to think about that over January. I'll come back and process that. But, you guys, if this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. If my conversations about the higher self, higher levels of being, and having act and being responsible in community with other people where and understanding where they are in their love in their levels of wellness in their progression of wellness around race does not prevent us from addressing our state of wellness, which is why I don't think equity work and race work can happen outside of wellness work. They go together to me. But anyway, (laughs) if any of that is a conversation you've had in the world, would you please take this link and share it with those participants? And if my moving about has caused some randomness in you, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on my website at yourelidom.wordpress.com, which I'm going to spend next week on, I am, or this week, not next week, it's this week. Today is Monday. And I have one, this is my last week before I go back to work. Yeah, so check that out, yourelidom.wordpress.com. You can find me on Twitter, yourelidom1. I'm spending a lot of, I'm sharing my articles there. And it would be nice if you picked up one of those articles, if you would just give it me a heart so I'll know that you were there. That'd be nice. <laughs> but, uh, or you can find me on YouTube or Facebook, your NIDOM. You guys know that I'm going to be quiet for the month, month of January. And so usually when I'm quiet and I have this pressing need to talk or process, I'll go to YouTube. So I have done, you. I guess the YouTube videos that I've done in the past, I, I wonder if they have happened during my breaks. I think they've happened during my breaks. But anyway, check. Just follow me on YouTube so that you can stay connected with me. Because uh, if I'm going to be out pro- outputting, if I'm going to be processing, it will be there, you guys. Let me give you your assignment. I feel like I have two questions I want to give you. Uh, I, and I did put you guys on pause for about 30 seconds, and two questions came to me. Like, man, I don't want to choose between those. So I'm going to push them together, and I'm going to say... What is your water and what is your wellness? What is the water you're uh, in? What's around you in terms of wellness? Is it toxic, average, or higher levels of being, higher levels of wellness? The people you spend your time with at work, your friends, your lovers, what's what's the measure of wellness and I'm not talking about physical wellness I'm talking about mental and emotional wellness or as we say in education social emotional wellness which I always find it perturbs me that educators are put in a position to teach talk to kids about their social emotional readiness when these when we as adults are not social emotionally ready. What the hell? Anyway. But <laughs> uh what is your social emotional wellness? And then what is the social emotional wellness of the water you're in? Of the world you're in, the environment 
that you're living and breathing every day. I would love to take this assignment further. Like, what are you going to do? But, but, but you know what? I think the first step is becoming cognizant of the world you're around. How healthy are the people around you? You're going to really have to come to terms with what healthiness is. I'll try to find an article that shares it. I also uh, go look at the spiral dynamics article I share because I think that's a good place um, to look like I think red, orange, I think there's a brown, red, and orange. Those are typically what I would call unhealthy spaces, unhealthy psychologies. I would call that. But the beautiful thing is if you could take that spiral dynamics framework and you define your own healthiness and wellness, you might think red is quite healthy. Whatever. I don't agree with you, but okay. All I'm asking you to do is name your world based on those spiral dynamic levels. I'd be that that's the assignment. Name the world and name where you are in it. Oh my god, I would love to you know, often I don't ask to hear those assignments. I would love to hear that one, but no, it's not for me, it's for you. Whew, you guys. I am really happy with the work I did on season five. Those of you who are new to me that came to me in season five, thank you so much for being here. Those of you who've been with me from the beginning and you haven't given up on me and you've been sharing the project, thank you so much. The more you come and the more you play, the more I have a space to practice and try on my authenticity. This is the place where I do that. And then I can go into the world and, and challenge myself because I know what it's like to be fully authentic. And even though you guys, I don't interact with you, uh, but knowing that you're here and you're getting something out of this and you're coming back, I deeply appreciate it. Um, yeah. So I want you to have a happy new year. Take some time this September, excuse me, over January to get caught up on my uh, content because I know you haven't listened to it. I got, I have, I'm at 350 episodes. Oh, 300 episodes as of now. Is it 300? Yeah. 102. One. Nope. Sorry, hold on. I'm at 350. Oh, no, I'm not. Hold on. I'm at 325. At the end of this, at the end of season six, I'll be at 350. So I'm at 325 episodes. I'm pretty sure you guys haven't listened to all of them. The first year and two, they were a hot mess. But listen to those, to those anyway, okay? All right. Uh, I'm going to miss you while I'm gone, but I will be back in February. Uh, So until I come back, be well. Bye.